Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. This is the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective. This is lesson one. And in this lesson, I'd like to kind of just introduce the concept of motives as far as what this series is going to be talking about. Uh, this is actually uh, part one of the subject, our motives from God's perspective, and lesson one of that part one. There's going to be at least two parts, could possibly be three different parts or series of of videos on the subject of motives. And so this is part one, and this is lesson one of the series, Our Motives from God's Perspective. I... In my almost 74 years of life, and my mother was attending a United Pentecostal church when I was born, and I have faithfully attended church all of my life, I have heard very, very little preaching in my lifetime on the subject of motive. Uh, the purpose of this video series is to, uh, part one especially, is to help you and I understand exactly how important our motives are to God. I, I, I'm going to make some statements that will sound possibly like hyperbole or uh, exaggeration, which is what hyperbole is. Uh, but if you will be patient with me and continue through the series, I will uh, supply... Uh, more, more than enough scripture to demonstrate that the statements I'm about to make are not hyperbole. They're not exaggeration. And that is, first and foremost, uh, motive from God's perspective. Our motive from God's perspective is probably more critical than any other single factor in our uh, walk with him and of his ministering through us or our involvement in ministry with him. Motives are the why in what we do. It's so easy to focus on what to do. I need to do this and not do that. Okay, But it's not enough to do the do's and not do the don'ts. Why? The Lord wants to know why. And motive is the why. Our motives for what we ask for from him, from the Lord, and what we want him to do for us have always been a major concern to him. What we ask for from him and what we want him to do for or through us uh, is always first qualified by the Lord asking the question, why? Why do you want me to do this? What's your reason or what's your motive the reason that we want something done the why is our motive if our purpose is to gain man's approval or to earn god's approval instead of pleasing him by faith by grace as he empowers us to both will and to do of his good pleasure, Philippians 2.13, then we are taking his glory. 
Isaiah 42 and 8, the Lord says very pointedly, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. I am the Lord, that is my name, he said. My glory will I not give to another. Another way to look at uh, glory or, or motive is, uh, who, 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 who's going to get the credit for what you're doing or not doing? Who's going to get the credit for what we're asking for the Lord to do? Who's going to get the credit for that? Is what's being done or not done, what we're asking for, uh, what we're involved in, is that so that God can be glorified or so that we can be approved of by men. Too many people who claim to be his saints or disciples do what they do to impress people with their spirituality. The teaching of Jesus uh, in what's called the Sermon on the Mount uh, that was actually uh, five chapters, six, uh, three chapters long, chapters five, six, and seven, uh, here in chapter six, especially, I'm going to begin reading with verse one. There is a, a specific tenor to everything he's saying that is about motive. He's questioning motive. I'm reading, uh, Matthew chapter six, verse one, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. <laughs> so he didn't, he's not talking about not doing alms. He didn't say anything about not doing alms. He said, uh, we are not to do our alms before men for the purpose, for the motive, for this why, this reason, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Now, as the beginning in this first lesson of part one of the series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, that's pretty definitive, isn't it? Right there. In my heart of hearts, and the Bible says my heart is wicked, above all things, desperately wicked, above all things, and uh, deceptive, and who can know it? I don't know my own heart. The Lord has to help me know my heart. I don't even really know my own motives. I need the Lord to reveal to me my motives. And you're going to hear that over and over again in this in this series. I can't have... He said, I believe it was Paul said, put no confidence in the flesh. I cannot have absolute confidence that my motives for sitting here and recording this video is purely for God to be glorified. I want them to be. I prayed for them to be. But I can't guarantee that. Only God knows my heart. He said, I know the heart. I try the reins. David said, David said, Psalms 139, search me, O Lord, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. 
King David, a man after God's own heart, did not know his own heart. He needed God to reveal that to him. This has to be one of the key focuses of our walk with God is a constant effort to have right motives that are pleasing in the sight of God. Why? Because I can do all kind of stuff and God's not going to respond to it. I can pray prayers. He won't answer. I can, I can do work that he actually has led me to do, instructed me to do. I, I can obey the voice of God. I can obey the word of God and God not accept it because my motives are wrong. That's how serious this is. Verse 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. The purpose of a trumpet is to get people's attention. Uh, uh, the, uh, the armies uh, have used them calling them bugles or trumpets. And they, they're, I play the trumpet and I play the bugle in the Boy Scouts. And uh, you, you, there are certain bugle calls that you can hear above noise, ab- above the clamor. Uh, you can hear it in the noise of battle. And you can, a uh, uh, general can direct his men based on that bugle call. Well, these that Jesus was talking about, they were having a trumpet sounded before them so that everybody would stop and look and see what they were doing. Now, maybe you and I don't go to that extreme. But maybe we do other things. I, I don't believe there's anything in dressing Nice. I don't believe there's anything in, in, in looking presentable. I don't think that's anything wrong with that. But what's my motive? It, it, do I want to attract people's attention? Do I want people to notice me so they can see what I'm doing? And, and this is so insidious. Wrong motive is so insidious. It's so subtle. It's so, it works at such a deep level that your conscious mind may not know what your real motive is at all. So Jesus says, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let thy left hand not know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall him, shall, uh, seeth him, seeth himself, uh, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. In other words, if I'm rewarded openly, that's not wrong if it's God instigating it, if the Lord is the one doing it. But if I'm being rewarded by the oohs and ahs of man, and I'm being very general there, by people's compliments, by their, by their, uh, uh, their word, by their praise, by their, their looks, if that's not coming from God, that's detrimental for my soul. I don't need that. I don't need it feeding something in me. This flesh is flesh, and it's not trustworthy. And that being the case, I cannot trust that my flesh is not going to 
take in all of that adulation, all of that approval? Or what if there's some things God wants me to do that I don't want to do them because I will receive the disapproval of men? Just as much wrong motive. If I shout in worship, if I'm dancing in worship, and my motive subconsciously is for men to see me dancing so that they will think I'm spiritual. Wrong motive. If the Lord tells me to dance, but I don't dance because I don't want to be embarrassed and I don't want anybody thinking I'm weird, wrong motive. Because it's about me. You can't separate right motives from humility. You can't separate wrong motives from pride. No matter what level that's taking place on. That's why the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It's Jeremiah 17. Who can know it? Only the Lord. And he tries or tests the reins. He searches the heart to reveal to me what's going on here. I can't deal with what I don't know about myself. I can't repent for sins that I'm not consciously aware I've done. I can't. So he needs to help me. Let me continue here. Verse uh, verse 5, Matthew 6. And when thou prayest, that thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. In other words, if you want men to think well of you, you're not going to have God thinking well of you. The only reward you're getting is men. One verse says, beware when all men think well of you. So the point here is, what is my motives for what I'm doing? What's my motives? I, I'm not against long prayers. But if I pray longer in public than I do in private, <laughs> there's a motive there. Long private prayers lead to short public prayers because you don't need to pray long in public to get the job done. The Lord said, verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. So you're in public and you want to pray, and so you use all this verbiage, all this language. Okay. I prayed with people that you would thought they were actors on Shakespearean stages. The way they prayed and the way they taught in, in, in a group. Uh, thou, my father, thou, this, blah, blah. You go, what? Is that the way you talk to your wife? Unless the Holy Ghost is moving on us to do otherwise. Prayer's conversational. I don't change my voice. I don't change my vocabulary. If I'm a child of God, and I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a saint of God. I have a vocabulary I use all the time. I should use that vocabulary in prayer and in ministering the word, whether it's witnessing or teaching or preaching or whatever it may be. May, may be. That should be my vocabulary. 
that should be my voice. I should not have a stage voice and a stage vocabulary. Now, I'm not talking about using slang in the pulpit or slang when you're talking to people or slang when you're talking to God. I'm just talking about being real. Okay? So he said, verse 8, be ye, be not ye therefore like unto them, those that, uh, that pray using vain repetitions. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now that's a revelation all by itself that's not the subject of these lessons. But what is the message that we communicate when we ask God for stuff he's already promised to take care of? I'm not talking about saying, Father, I thank you for the food you are you have supplied and you've promised to supply. Father, I thank you for the clothes you've given me and those that you promised that you would give me if I needed them. And thank you for the place that you've given me to lay my head as you promised you would do. And I, and I trust you for the future. I thank you for all of that. Thank you for the car I have to drive. Not asking him for food when he's your father and already knows you have need of it and has already promised to take care of it. So what's the motive in that? Well, first of all, it's unbelief. That's what it is. When I ask God for stuff he's already promised to give me, it's unbelief. I can thank him for it. That's not unbelief. I can confess that I trust him, that I know he's going to do it. That's not unbelief. But to ask him for something he's already promised is unbelief, which, of course, ultimately is wrong motive. So Jesus said, verse 9, After this manner pray ye, therefore pray ye, our Father which is in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk about this phrase uh, in a later lesson or two. But here at this point, let me say right now, there is a reason why this prayer that he taught us to pray ends with this. Because I call this our motive check. Because everything is for his kingdom. Everything is by his power. And everything is for his glory. Everything. I can't let him have 90% and then keep 1% for myself. 100%, he will give none of his glory to humans. Now, if he honors a man, that's one thing. If he gives his approval to man, that's one thing. But it's completely different when man is doing what he's doing, seeking for the approval of God by what he does. That's why obedience doesn't earn us anything, according to Luke chapter 17. They said, Lord, verse 5, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, you don't need more faith. I'm paraphrasing now. All it takes is a grain, uh, faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, and you can move mountains. He said, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, plowing the field or feeding cattle, and they come in and uh, from the field, which of you say, now nah, I know you're tired, go and take care of yourself, and, uh, and you can take care of me later. And rather than say, prepare for me now, let me eat, and then you can 
you can take care of yourself. He says, does he thank that servant for doing what he was commanded to do? And King James says, I trow not. That's literally, I don't think so. So ye, when you've done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We've done that which is our duty to do. So obedience is not for the purpose of winning the Lord's approval. It's for the purpose of demonstrating our faith. But now there are people that do those things, not out of faith, but for the motive of earning God's approval by what they do. Well, if you can't profit, if you're not, what you're doing is not profitable because you're not doing something additional. (laughs) You're not doing additional above and beyond. Then you're not earning anything. But these, this series of lessons will demonstrate to you. There's nothing you can do above and beyond that can earn you God's approval. He doesn't approve of us because of what we do. He approves of us because of who we are. We're his children. I am not saying, do not put words in my mouth that are not being said. I'm not saying I can be disapproved of by God for what I don't do that I should do. I can be disapproved of by God for what I did that I shouldn't do. But, Doing what I should do and not doing what I shouldn't do doesn't earn me anything. It only demonstrates my faith. Praise God. So I'll read quickly here. For if men forgive, uh, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your Father, Heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father, Father, Forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. There are, I think fasting by itself is a test. If I just have to tell somebody I'm fasting, if I just have to drop that in there, Now, there are legitimate situations where someone needs to know you're fasting. If I'm fasting, I need to tell my wife so she doesn't cook food that I'm not going to eat. I'm not telling her for the purpose of gaining something with her. She knows me way too well. I can't gain anything from her by doing stuff, except maybe cleaning my closet. (laughs) But... She has a right to expect me to pray. Why should I gain something from her because she hears me pray? She has a right to expect me to fast. Why should she gain something from me because I tell her I'm not eating today? But that's a, there's a big difference between that, the absolutely essential situations where it needs to be communicated and not broadcast to dropping the hint. I, I'm fasting. Somebody asks you to go eat and you're fasting. You don't have to say, I can't go. I'm fasting. Uh, you say, I'm sorry, but I, uh, I can't, I can't go. Uh, I'd love to, but I can't. I, I don't have to tell that. Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> I don't know very many people that's fasted 40 days that a bunch of people didn't know that they were fasting 40 days. 
Hello. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. Thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Jesus said this, Matthew 23, verse 1, Then spake Jesus the multitude to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not eat after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be mourned and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. All of their separation, all of their standards were to be seen of men. Now, is holiness in the Bible? Yes. Is the external evidence of holiness in the Bible separation in the Bible? Yes. Yes, it is. But if my motive for all that is so others will see how holy I am, then I don't get any reward for that whatsoever. Men may uh, admire me. Some will despise me if that's my motive, but God will never, he won't, he will never approve of that. Never approve of that. Never approves of it. To get up and get in some kind of preaching contest to see who's stricter and stronger. That's hypocrisy. It's not the standards that are hypocrisy. It's the motive that's hypocrisy. So we need to beware lest our standards are used to judge other by them. The moment I begin to judge others, another man's servant, according to Romans 14, by my convictions, I've just proved what my motive is. Because the word holy means to separate it from, separate it unto, to be separated from the world and separated unto God. But if my motive is to be seen of men, that they would think I'm some kind of spiritual person because of the degree of my separation. And then I judge others who are not as separated as me. My motives are wrong and God does not approve. And I get no spiritual credit for that. But it doesn't matter because if that's my motive, I could get all kind of credit from men because I'm not worried about eternity. I'm only worried about now. I want men to think I am holy. Again, holiness in the Bible, I believe in it. Separations in the Bible is the external evidence of holiness. I believe in it. But the motive, the motive makes our separation holiness or the motive makes our separation not holiness. I will, in later lessons, we'll go and look at the Lord talking about the Pharisees as whited sepulchers. Why do you paint the outside of a grave white? So it looks nice to the eye, even though it's full of dead men's bones. It's not standards that's the problem. It's motive that's the problem. We used to expand translation says of Matthew 23, 5, Furthermore, all their works they do, 
with ostentation for the purpose of being contemplated in the admiring glances of men. And then easy to read version says, the only reason they do what they do is for other people to see them. And then uh, the New Living Translation says, everything they do is for show. Now, the true nature of hypocrisy is doing what we do for God in a manner that will be seen by men and approved of by men. When we are more concerned about pleasing and impressing men than pleasing God, we're hypocrites. Hypocrites. I, 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 you can't, you can't water it down. You, there's no way to soft pedal it. There's no way. It's hypocrisy. Holiness is not hypocrisy. Separation is not hypocrisy. It's the motive behind it that either makes it true and real in the sight of God or makes it false. That's why Paul talked about, we will talk about in the later lessons, that we, we need to have righteousness unto true holiness because righteousness is about motive. Okay, It's why I do what I'm trying to do. Am I trying to be righteous? Do I, am I trying to look righteous, be righteous, or have I, or, or have I received the righteousness of God? Because righteousness, true righteousness is the foundation of true holiness. And all of that directly relates to motive. My friend, I pray that God would give you the grace to not allow your flesh to avoid watching the succeeding videos in this series. I pray that you, by the grace of God, you so desire to please him and are so hungry for him and so want to be right with him that you will not make excuses to avoid the later lessons in this series because my soul's at stake, your soul's at stake, the value of our involvement in the kingdom of God is at stake. The effectiveness of our ministries and our lives in the kingdom of God is at stake, all because of motive. As we've already seen in the verses quoted here today, motive can either validate my prayer or invalidate my prayer. Motive can either validate my fasting or invalidate my fasting. Motive can either validate my giving or invalidate my giving. That's how powerful motive is. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak the word of the spirit of grace and the impartation of grace upon you and me that we might receive the grace of God to be empowered to him, by him to both will and to do what pleases him and not ourselves. In Jesus' name.